I feel like it's townie season for us locals, right? It's our turn. It's our turn to go to the restaurants and the beach now. So welcome to September. Um, hey, last week we had our baptism, uh, baby dedication, and brunch. And if you brought a dish to pass and maybe left that dish to pass and pass on and pass on, we have those right over here at the Hub. So um, if, you'd like, if you want to grab your dish or donate it, that would be great. Um, uh, this month and for the next couple weeks, we are going to continue to raise money on behalf of our friend Al Smith and Ready Taekwondo and the work that he's doing with uh, kids in Benton Harbor and all around Berrien County. Uh, Ready Taekwondo is a great program uh, that brings kids in from all uh, parts of Berrien County, all walks of life, all socioeconomic spaces and places, and, um, and they need our help to make sure to sustain so they can keep offering those services. Uh, Grandmaster Smith does teach kids Taekwondo, but it's it's so much bigger and so much more than that. There's an educational focus and a behavior focus and a, and a discipline focus, and I'm excited to get Bo in there next year when he turns four. Um, so we are matching donations. We have a $5,000 matching gift for that, so if you'd like to give towards Ready Taekwondo, uh, you can um, give online through our Love Changes Lives drop down there, or you can uh, drop a check in the giving box in an envelope labeled Love Changes Lives. And then also starting uh, September 16th, not this Sunday, but the next one, that's a Thursday at 10 a.m. at Joy Bancroft's house. Is Joy here? Joy here, yeah, there's Joy right back here. We're gonna be, hang our, uh, our women are gonna be hanging out at her house at 10 a.m. on Thursdays, and they'll be um, studying Holding On To Hope, A Pathway Through Suffering to the Heart of God by Nancy Guthrie. So you can connect with Joy about that. That starts on September 16th at 10 a.m. That's on Thursdays. And if you want to stay in the loop on all of that, uh, you can fill out an info card and get on our email list. Other than that, have a great Sunday morning. Thank you, Paul. Good morning, Storyline. It's so good to be together, isn't it? What a beautiful day. I knew someone would show up, even on a holiday weekend like this. I, I, I guessed over 10, so I win, guys. <laughs> All right, so um, yeah, it's beautiful out. If you weren't able to join us last week for the baby uh, dedication and the baptisms, it was really, really wonderful. So I'm still like on a high from that. That was really exciting. And then I went straight from that into the first week of school. So I teach at Lakeshore High School. We started school this week. This is my 32nd year 
as a high school teacher, and I'm just excited. I thank you so much. I really love it. It's, it was, the first few years were tough. Starting out as a 10-year-old is weird to be a teacher that young, but you know, prodigy, what can I say? Um, but I really do love kids. I love school. It's always fun. I look forward to that first week of school. Uh, now, the first few days aren't all that exciting because it, there's a whole lot of things you've got to get through with kids. And like, you've got to explain how this class is going to work, like what the big picture is. Why is this class going to work the way it's going to work? And here's what I found through the years, through the decades of being a teacher, is that if I don't do a good job at that, if I don't like lay out like this is how this class works, this is the inbox, the outbox, here's the points, this is how you're graded, this is, this is the overarching theme of the class, this is what we're going for. If I don't do that, if my students don't understand how to relate to me and to the class, then we don't get very far. Things just kind of stall. It, it's hard to concentrate on what you're trying to learn day to day when you don't know how it relates to the big picture. When you don't know how it fits the entire theme of the course. And so what we've been doing this summer in the book of Luke, it, we've been reading through the book of Luke. Remember we said it's one of four gospels in the Bible. And, these, and the gospels are like four mini biographies of Jesus. And we've picked out one called Luke, and we've been reading through that together. And um, we're in chapter 11. That's where, how far we're at right now, okay? So we've come to Luke chapter 11 this morning, and Jesus has, at this point, gained a huge following. People have heard of him. The crowds are coming, and he also has a significant group of what we could call students. They're also called disciples. And it almost feels like, in this section of Luke chapter 11, that this is like the first day of school for him. Like after this whirlwind of stuff that he's been doing, he's kind of stopping here for a second, and he, and in this passage, he's about to take the time to lay out like how the entire course works, like what the theme is in a way, okay? And so here's what we see. At the beginning of Luke 11, Jesus goes off by himself to pray, which is something that he did often, but this time it's different. When he comes back, to all of his friends, to his students, to his class, if you will, um, instead of, you know, they're, they're wondering, like, what's going on? Because usually when Jesus did that, it's just, it's kind of like him and God, and it's somewhere only they know. It's not like, they're not in on it yet. But Jesus is about to turn a corner, because he says, look, when I'm doing this, I'm praying to God. I'm connecting with God, and um, I'm going to teach you how to do that right now. And so here, Jesus actually explains prayer, like how to relate to God, how his students can connect with what they're learning day to day from him with like the larger point of the course, if you will, okay? So this is what it says in Luke chapter 11. He taught them how to pray. He said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's probably the most famous prayer in the world. It's in slightly different versions in the different biographies of Jesus. It's called the Lord's Prayer. Some, some traditions call it 
be our Father. And we could spend many weeks marveling at every phrase in that prayer, but it's just in the first two words, the way he begins this most famous prayer in the history of the world, our Father. Those are the two words that I want to draw our attention to this morning. Now, what can we learn about the big picture, this entire course that Jesus is trying to teach us about God and life and faith and ourselves from just these two words, our Father. And before we jump into this, I, I, I do want to kind of say a disclaimer here for a second, okay? Because I know um, that this can be a painful analogy for some of us. Maybe some of us, maybe someone's lost their father recently. This might be hard to have an entire morning talk about our father. Some of us maybe weren't blessed with a great father or even a father at all. And while that's tragic and that pain and that disappointment, I would argue, actually proves the power of the paradigm that Jesus is using here. Jesus's point is this. Some of us have or had great fathers. But all of us know, even those of us that didn't, we, that we desperately do need a good father.
about love? What about trust? What about us? This is exactly why I think Jesus is inviting us into prayer, communicating, talking to, connecting with God as our Father. That's how he starts his prayer. While, while praying in the ancient world and in ours was very common, okay, it's still today very common. In fact, I just read a poll. More people pray in America than believe in God. Now, I don't tend to understand that, but that's true, okay? So prayer is very common. Approaching God, addressing God, connecting with God like this as our Father was very and still is very revolutionary and scandalous. Very different and totally opposite from the other way that we're going to look at it, which is connecting with God and going to God, let's say, religiously. Okay? So Jesus is drawing a distinction here. He isn't teaching us what to pray when he begins with our Father as much as he is showing us how to pray and why. Okay? And in another place, Jesus says this about this prayer. He describes it like this. He says, don't keep on babbling like hypocrites, for, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Okay? He, he's saying there's a religious way to pray with lots of words and secret chants and certain settings and magic words and, and a way that is based in. And then there is also this way that's based in and grows out of the good news that God is a God of grace. And that that's a completely different way to pray. When we see and experience and connect with God as our Father. Now notice this distinction here for Jesus is not between like generally religious people and the irreligious people. It's not between those who pray and those who don't. Okay? He's drawing a distinction here between those who pray trying to earn their way along in this life and maybe into the next through hard work and good deeds and, and yes, the right prayers versus those who have simply surrendered into the grace of God, into the love of our Father. It's very different. And he's trying to show us that this distinction makes all the difference. And I believe it does. See, the truth is that there are lots of people who recite lots of prayers, who even repeat this same exact prayer that Jesus taught here. But they're not really praying if they believe it's their words or their technique or their goodness or their morality or their fill-in-the-blank that is moving the heart of God. It is possible very possible to believe in God, to believe in Jesus, to pray all the time, and still just be very religious, like connect to him mechanically, not as a father. Like I, I can get into this religious mode myself. This is what it looks like in me, okay? Like, of course God's on my side. I mean, look at, have you looked at me lately? Like, of course he's on my side. I'm put together. Look, I actually believe all the right things. I'm pretty nice most of the time, at least when people are looking, right? Uh, am I blessed? Sure. Am I surprised? Not really. Because to be honest, I deserve it. That is religion. That's me thinking that, that I've earned this. But do you see that that way of praying, 
that way of relating to God or approaching God, it certainly requires me believing in him, right? But it's also very much all about me trusting in, placing my faith in me. That, that's who my faith is in, in that setting. Well, of course things are going well for me. I'm a good guy. I do everything right. And that is religion. This is why the religious people, the religious uh, elite, and we see this over and over, we've already seen it in Luke, they cannot stand Jesus because they're picking up on what he's laying down here. They're like, are, are you trying to say that our righteousness doesn't matter? And Jesus is basically saying, yes, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't matter. So this is really the question. What is the cause or the reason that God hears our prayers? See, Jesus' first followers, and frankly, most people today and throughout all of history, thought the same thing I do when I get into this religious mode. It's something about us. It's something about us that we have to ask the right way. Like we have to deserve it, maybe by going to church, maybe by sitting up straight, following the rules, being nice to puppies, uh, praying like crazy. It's got to be something about us. And we can, look, we can call that... Those are like religious prayers. That's the connection we're making with God. And Jesus is, is suggesting there is an entirely different reason, a, a completely different reason that God hears our prayers. And it's when they're based in God's grace. As if he is our father. So let's consider this just a little bit more deeply because I get that this can be a little bit weird, like these two different bases or bases for, for praying because these two approaches are about more than prayer. It's just going to be, that's the point. When we approach anyone on the street, when, whenever we walk up to anyone, and this morning I had several conversations beforehand, but when we approach one another, we are always making implicit decisions and assumptions about one another. This happens every time you walk up to somebody. They're doing it to you, you're doing it to them. Know it or not, okay? We are trying to discern what is the basis of my connection with this person, right? And, and when we approach someone for an interaction, everyone knows by the time usually, and if not, we call it an awkward interaction. It's because someone misread that or the two groups didn't read it the same, all right? But the basis of this approach establishes the level of the interaction. I think we all experience this most um, when we approach a stranger. We all approach strangers. This happens all the time, mostly when we're traveling, right? A couple summers ago, Lisa and I went to Italy. And you have to approach strangers when you're traveling all the time, especially in a foreign country. So we found ourselves coming up to strangers. Is this the train to Rome? Does this uh, bus go to the Colosseum? These are the questions that we're asking. And that kind of connection between a stranger and a tourist or a local and a tourist is allowed. Everybody reads the implicit clues. Like we're Americans, we know English, we don't know Italian. We're we have this lost look on our face. They want to show some common courtesy. I mean, it wasn't France. So they're showing common courtesy <laughs> and they're helping us around the city, right? And so. Um, we could easily approach Italians for directions, and we found them to be very nice, very helpful. But, but we were on thin ice. Because think, think about this. If I were to go up to someone and say, hey, 
is this the train that goes to Rome? And they said, yeah. And I said, well, wait a second. Actually, what are you doing today? Do you think you could give us a ride into, into Rome? That would have instantly been read as a disconnect, right? Why? Because I don't have the reason, the foundation, the basis to approach that person with that kind of request. I just did it, okay? If we want a deeper interaction and connection, we have to have a deeper basis, a stronger foundation. And that is what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is showing us that there are only two basic ways that we approach God. And it's the same two basic ways that we approach one another. And it comes down to this. We can have a business relationship with someone, or we can have a family relationship with someone. Now, there are some relationships that are a blend of that. Maybe friendships are kind of a blend of that. But for the most part, they're a blend of these two ideas, business relationship, family relationship, okay? And in a business relationship, the basis is simply this. I have something for you, and you have something for me, okay? In a family relationship, it's totally different. It has nothing to do with what I have for you. It's all about who I am to you. So business relationship, what do I have for you? What do you have for me? Family relationship, who am I to you? That's it. That's the two ways that we come to people. And there are blends of that. But when we come to God, it's one of those two ways. That's, that's really what we're relegated to. We exchange and we interact basically in one of these two bases. Business, family. Business, what do I bring? Family, who I am. So here's the deal. A business relationship is about performance. It just is. We don't say that all the time. I mean, when things are going badly, sometimes you have to have these tough conversations in business, but it's about performance. It's about getting the job done. It's about a mutual exchange. A family relationship is about identity. Period, end of story. Beginning, middle, end. Full stop. So in June this year, I've talked about this a couple of times, our son, our 24-year-old son moved back in with us. He, Graduated from college a couple of years ago, got a job for a year, started grad school last year, and then this year, his second year of grad school, he's at Andrews, and um, now they're gonna meet in person for a school psychology program. And so he moved back home, and, and it's been great. It really has. Um, but now we have him at home, too, right? Now, I'm gonna mix metaphors here for a second, so I'm hoping something will stick, but, but there are two ways to live in someone else's home. You can be a boarder or a child, right? And now boarders can have really good relationships with their landlord, but only as long as each is delivering on what they bring to the relationship. So if I'm the, if I'm the boarder and you're the landlord, I'm bringing rent and you're taking care of the property. That's a business relationship. That's how it's going. There are rules for both of us to follow in that relationship. Now, I'm not sure yet, because I'm new to this, what the rules are exactly when a young adult child moves back into the house and is not paying rent, okay? We're still figuring that, that out. That's another talk for another day. But I will say this personally, that for the record, I am excited that Jimmy is cooking for us. And I told Lisa, my wife, this just before 
um, because I was just telling Lisa just before Jimmy moved in, I'm like, you know, we really should redesign that kitchen. She got all excited. She's like, yes, absolutely. Like, what are you thinking? And I'm like, well, I think we should redesign it so we can use it, you know, for what we actually use it for. And I said, so let's make it into a big storage closet. <laughs> she wasn't amused. Anyway, she's not here today, so cut the tape, Jordan, not that one, right? So anyways, landlord-tenant is a business relationship. It is, by nature, it's transactional. That's the kind of relationship it is. Renters and landlords interact based on what we each can offer or provide one another. And it's at the heart. That right there, that dynamic is at the heart. That is the bottom line of the religious connection to God. That is what the religious connection to God is. You know, uh, who helped me see this first? Was my atheist friends. They're the ones who like pointed this out to me first, years ago. They would say, they looked at religion and all of the rules and what they perceived to be all of the religious people who were blindly or resentfully or both following these rules and they would say things to me like this. Mike, what kind of God? Come on, look at these people. What kind of God only loves you if you X, Y, or Z? What kind of God is that? And what they're saying is, if there's a God, wouldn't he just love us regardless? Wouldn't he be more like a good father than a landlord? And I thought, man, that's such a great point. You know who else makes that point? Jesus makes that point. The same point, just a few lines later, right here in Luke 11, explaining why should we pray, beginning with our Father. He says this, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then know how to give good gifts to your children, and, and watch what he says, because you think he's about to say, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, you should just ask God for anything you want. But that's not how he ends, okay? He says this, if you then know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, I know that seems like a little bit of a curveball, so let's just camp out here for one second. We don't have time to go into a whole lot of detail on this. We've talked about the Holy Spirit before, and, and, I, and, we, and we will again. But we basically, we boiled it down to this. Most, the most common way that theologians describe the Holy Spirit is that it is the love that God has for God. Now, this is a huge mind blower, right? The Holy Spirit is the love that God has for himself, the love of God the Father for God the Son is so intense, so pure, so powerful that it is the third person in the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It is love itself. And so it is God, this love. And so um, it's so, so amazing that Jesus is offering us the Holy Spirit. That is what he's doing here by inviting us to pray our Father, by changing the basis upon which we connect with God from business to family, from, from border to child, from performance to identity, from what we can bring to God and, and who we are to God, he's offering us the Holy Spirit, the, the love of God, not just to us, not just the love of God for us, but also the love of God in us 
and for him. That's what the offer is. That's the invitation. He, he is saying you will not only be loved by God, but you will begin to truly love God yourself when you become, when he becomes our father, when you let him love you.
Oh, I love that song. So many great lines. We could do talk after talk uh, on the lines in that song. Last week, we had our annual baby uh, dedication and baptism, and it was amazing. Steve and Natalie and Mike and Olivia were baptized. It was so inspiring, so beautiful. And one of the things that I always notice when folks are baptized is how often they speak about their love for God. It is one thing to learn that God loves us as a good father, as a good mother, but it is another step to let him love us in a way that transforms our love for him. It's really amazing. You see, you see a religious relationship with God can be very real. It can, be, it can happen every day, all the time, but it's only transactional. It, it, it lacks the Holy Spirit, a love for God. We're just making deals with God is what that comes down to. You can have a real faith, a real belief that God is, exists, that, he, that he's real, that he's powerful. But if we're only dealing with him at the transactional, at a business level, we're missing out on what it is that Jesus is inviting us into, which is a transformational relationship with God a family relationship with God. It changes us as we come to God as our Father and become, over time, we sense it, we feel it, we experience it, we become the son, and the daughter of God. This is what Jesus is trying to show us in these two little words, in this, when he teaches us how to pray, that we can relate to God, we can approach God on a business on a religious and a performance basis that leaves us unchanged or on a family, gracious, identity basis that changes who we are because it transforms our deepest love. It changes us from the inside out. C.S. Lewis, one of, his, one of my favorite lines of his, um, a, a man approached him and said, I see that your prayers have been answered, your wife has been healed. And he said, because she had cancer, and she went into remission. And he said, I don't pray to change things. I pray because I have to. I pray because it pours out of me. I pray because it's all that I have. And in that, God changes me. I love that. I think it's so true. Now, I'm going to mix metaphors one last time here because I'm trying to flesh this out because I know that this is a different way to think about like the two different ways of relating to God. So I often get people that ask me, and someone asked me this question just this last week. They said, they said this, Mike, when you say there's nothing we can do to get God on our side because God is already on our side, you're making it sound like we don't have to obey God. And I thought, wow, that's a really good point. Wish I had thought of that before I made up that talk. No, I'm kidding, okay? <laughs> It is a really good point. It's my response goes like this, okay? We don't have to obey God in the religious or in the transactional sense, as in if we obey, then he will be on our side. We don't have to obey God for those reasons, okay? Because he's already on our side. But we do, we must, in fact, obey God. That is, seek to align our life with him and his ways in order for his love to make a difference in our life. I think about it like this. 
And this is really helpful for me. I hope it'll connect to some of us. If religion treats God like a landlord or like a boss, okay, um, this, it's this transactional relationship that religion has with God. God will do X for you, we'll obey, we'll do whatever you say, and we'll do that for you, God. In exchange, you'll give us blessing. You'll make it rain when we want it to rain or stop raining or get us into heaven when we die or whatever. Then Jesus is introducing a different way of relating to God. And so in this passage, he speaks of God as our Father. That's a very different way to think of God. But in another passage, he talks about God as the great physician. The great physician. Now think about your relationship with your doctor. Okay? Just let me ask you this question. Do you have to obey your doctor's orders in order for her to be on your side? No. A good doctor is already on your side. A good doctor is always on your side. Do we have to obey them? No. Not to get them to care for us. They're already caring for us. But we do have to obey them to get their care to change us. To, to allow their care to make us whole and heal us. You see, religion says only if you obey God will he care for you. And Jesus comes into history and he says that is not true. God already cares for you, but that care will only work for you if you follow the great physician's directions. And so that's the relationship between obedience and how we relate to God. It, it's absolutely essential, but not in the way religion says. And the religious people of Jesus' time saw that, and that's why they were so furious with him. Now, I hope this helps a little to get a bit, because sometimes the gospel of grace is often misunderstood like that. Our obedience to our Father, to the great physician, matters. It really does. But it's not in order for God to offer his love and care. He's always offering his love and care to everyone, everywhere, every day. But in order for that love and care to change us and heal us, we must respond by accepting it. We, we talk about accepting our acceptance. So how we pray is simply a sign of the, an indication of the state of our connection with God. Are we trusting that he is the good father, that he's the great physician, or are we treating him like a boss? Are we treating him like a landlord? I'll, I'll close with this little self-check that I run on myself when I'm wondering about, okay, how am I connecting with God? How is this going for me in my life? I run this little self-check to see how that's going. And so it, it's, is it a transactional like business relationship that I have with God based on my performance, how good I am, or is it a transformational parent-child, doctor-patient relationship based on God's grace? And here's the test that I run on myself. What happens when my prayers aren't answered? How do I respond to that? Now, if I find myself angry, thinking, look, God, I've been doing all these things. I've been paying the rent. I've been showing up. I've been giving, I've been following the rules. You owe me. And yet, after all my prayers, 
the lions still stink. How can that be? How come they cannot get a good quarterback? How come they cannot get this together, right? When my reaction to my unanswered prayers is anger, it's a sign that I'm coming to God religiously based on my goodness. I'm coming through God and you're not. That's a religious connection to God. But there's also another reaction that kind of gives away a religious connection. And it's not anger, it's anxiety. Because sometimes I'll approach God and I'm nervous. I'm like, oh my gosh, I need this from God, but I have not been paying the rent. I have not been a good person. I'm not doing my part. So God might not answer this prayer. And so now I'm anxious. Anger or anxiety both are indications that we're approaching God religiously, like a landlord, like a boss. And that's not what Jesus is inviting us into. When we accept our acceptance, when we fall into the arms of our Father, like a child, the anger and anxiety begin to ease. Our prayers aren't a cold and formal chore. They aren't repeated words or a mindless mantra. When God is our Father, our prayer life softens. Our prayer life changes because we change. We're inspired by the Holy Spirit. And what we really want more than anything is a deeper love for God and our fellow man. And that's what we're asking for more and more. So our prayers become warm. They become personal. They become vulnerable and transparent. This is what Jesus is, is offering us with our Father. And our prayers actually even become a little bit bold. This childlike and beautiful mixture of, like a child is with their parent, like open, alert, expectant, and dependent on our good, good Father.
business relationship with God or are we in his family is he our boss or great physician our landlord or our good good father is our relationship based on what we bring on what we do on how much we believe on how pure we are what we offer God on our performance on our goodness or is it based completely on his. The invitation to an Our Father relationship with God is a brand new, revolutionary, life-changing, history-altering invitation that Jesus is giving to all of us. And what he's saying here is our prayer life, the way we approach God, helps us to answer these questions of how are we connected to him? What kind of relationship do we have? You know, in another very famous prayer of Jesus's, he actually prayed for every single person here. He prayed for all of us. And this is what he said. Father, I want you to love them even as you love me. Think about that. Can you just... Soak that in with this sunshine and this breeze. Imagine how that could change everything about life if the maker of heaven and earth was our Father. I mean, how, how much does God love Jesus? That's how he loves us. Did you know that you're loved that much? That you're loved like that? God loves you as he loves Jesus. You know, one of my favorite things to do is to watch. I love kids, and I love to watch parents with children. I just love it. It gets a little awkward when they're teenagers, because those interactions can be rough. But let's just think about it when they're little, okay? Last week, I saw Dale Zilke holding his baby daughter, Olive. She's this big, brand new. A couple weeks ago, I was watching Heather Ring's face when her daughter Livy was up here singing. Last week, Dr. Mike in the pool before he got dunked was talking about his granddaughter, Sophia Grace, and how she has changed his life. I love to watch Allie Knapp watch Bo Knapp play. I love how Mike Cook scoops up his son, Soren. 
I could go on and on and on about the way that we love our children. And in these glorious moments of parental delight and devotion, we are getting just a hint, just a sliver of how our Father who art in heaven loves us. It is a life-changing reality if we'll just accept that acceptance. Jesus taught us to pray our Father because we are children of God. Let's go back to the beginning. Let's begin with belonging like Jesus did. And let's come to God as our Father in love, with love, for love, and as His way to love the world right again through us together. Let's pray. Our Father, we come to you today overwhelmed with gratitude for your love for us. We are so thankful for this time, for this place, for this opportunity to be together, to consider your grace and our identity as your children. Your word says, how great is the love of the Father that he has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and send us into a desperate world that tries to run on transactions and performance so we can offer your transformation through love. I pray that as we leave this morning, you would help us to grow and remain childlike, open, alert, expectant, and dependent on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for coming, folks. It's great to see you all.